0: We're back on the Northland sports page. The wonderful artist Santana being focused on here today. Coming up in the next segment, if you don't know already, you'll find out why we no. chose to do that. But speaking of great artists, we're going to have one in just a moment. We've got great sponsors. You're going to tell us about those as well. You know, they
1: are all kind of artists in their own way too, Brian, if you yes. think about it. Let's start with the OG, Aurora Architecture Studio. Speaking of artists, right? I mean, that's what they do. They they put their technical skills to work in an, arts, in an art uh, fashion. Hoops Brewing. We don't even have to talk about brewers as being artists, right? OAR Holdings. Cross Heating and Cooling. Your carrier HVAC authorized dealer. And truthfully, if you've seen some of the piping work that they have to do, also artists. Advantage Emblem Screen Printing. Sammy's Pizza. I believe they call themselves pizza artists. Blackwoods Group. Including their locations on London Road, in Proctor, in Two Harbors, Blackwater, right downtown, and Tavern on the Hill. On the Hill, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Kohler Toyota, and Kohler Hyundai, where you can get a 65-inch TV whenever you purchase a car while supplies last.
0: So again, if you need a vehicle but don't need the TV, think of all the non-drivers in your life. I've got a place for it.
1: Comfort Systems of Duluth and Mike Regan at Christensen Group Insurance.
0: Again, so very grateful for our sponsors. They repeatedly make this show possible. Speaking of repeatedly, this fits with the Groundhog Day theme because the artist we're about to speak to He's been on this show many times.
1: Yeah, the artist formerly known as Saints Goalie Coach is about to uh, grace our airwaves.
0: Right. As we said, you might say that his tagline should be he's turned goaltending into an art. Absolutely. Because the artist and also goaltending guru, Tim Cortez, is on the phone with us. Tim, good morning. Thanks for being here again. Hey, guys. How you doing? Very good. Very good. Good 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 to have you. Nice to hear that voice. Yeah, it's been a while.
2: Yeah, no kidding. I uh, miss you guys. We miss you too, but I
0: I'll miss tell you being what. Being in hockey
2: rinks.
1: Well, there you yes, go, <laughs>
0: right? Because I was at a hockey rink last night. I was at Heritage, and even though I didn't yeah. see you, I could have seen a lot of things that you do because you've got that studio now right in that building. Tell the folks what you've been up to. You said it's been a while, and we agree. So you've been up to a lot. Enlighten us.
2: Well, I decided to take the year off of goalie coaching, and it's been the first time in over probably ten years. Because uh, I just opened up a gallery slash studio in the Heritage Center, which was uh, very graciously dropped right in my lap by, uh, by the folks at uh, Heritage, Pat Francisco and um, Jerry DeMail. They um, offered me a great space that used to be called the Warming Shack, If for those of you who had parents' meetings.
0: I was going to say, inside there, the elevator, it still says Warming Shack. Yeah, it still says Swarming
2: Shack, and that's really all they use that space for. It's a beautiful space. Now, for an artist, it's a great space because it's a 1,000 square feet, 25-foot ceilings. Um, It's wonderful. You can really spread your wings.
0: So tell us a little bit about, in terms of spreading your wings, some of your favorite projects that folks can see there.
2: Well, there's... uh, one of my very favorite is the one I did for Notre Dame when they did their 125th anniversary of uh, Notre Dame football. I got, uh, I got a bunch of artwork from that in there. Um, the one I'm trying to get is the, I have to get copies of the, of the three murals I did for the twins that are in the champions club. I never got the the original photographs from that so i'm working on getting that and get some replicas in there but almost everything in my entire career there there, are periods of times i mean i can't fit everything in there but i got about a tenth of it in there representing different times in my in my career where um and now some of my newer stuff that has some Kind of dipping into wildlife and Western art, and uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of nice after 35 years of working in my basement to come out and see the public. It's 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 nice.
1: All right, Tim, we had a chance to talk about the ones you loved. What's the Holy Grail? What's the one you want to do yet? I mean, you got plenty of time, but what's the one that you say I want to do this?
2: Well, I got some. You know, I haven't thought along those lines because I'm catching everything that's coming at me and it's coming at me fast which is great I'm I'm it's no secret now uh, Lou nanny is retiring from the state tournament broadcast this year and I got a call from his son Nardi, Marty 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 that I played with uh, down at the University of Minnesota and he said hey we got this going you got you you're the man you got to you got to do a painting for my dad and we'll present it to him on the broadcast so i got working on that right now cuz that's right around the corner um, and as far as I, boy people are hiring me to do inside of stadiums if you can believe that like walls i never thought my career was going there but there you go i'm going to do something up at mars lakeview yes, on that the Rosa rams want me to do a history of their program on a wall up there and you never know where these things will take you
1: right <laughs> we need we got to get tim to do one on radio broadcast teams
0: do you really want artistic yeah. stuff of yeah. us so you and me boy i don't know
1: yeah reminds yeah. do do a video is not a, a media radio things.
0: thing i was gonna say it reminds me of like when i went to fisherman's wharf and got a caricature made i don't know that anybody wants one of you and i <laughs> ah. I don't know if that's a good idea. There'd there'd be almost I no could hair. Be
2: two guys that could do something. Of oh my gosh, that'd be funny.
0: Yeah, if you can make me look better, Tim, I'll I'll hire you to do whatever you want because there's a reason we're both yeah. in radio. I promise you that.
2: I can always make you look better. Yes, you can.
0: Somebody's got to do it. I appreciate that. So you've talked a lot about yeah. the artistic abilities and what you've done in relationship to hockey because those are two things that you're very passionate about. Take us outside of hockey or maybe even outside of sports. What are some of your favorites there?
2: Well, my my very favorite subject. I mean, I'm really into history. So, what I've been trying to do, and it's a little bit of a sticky issue, is to try to document some of the history of the North American Indian, uh, you know, the Native American tribes and some of their traditions and all that kind of thing. And it's it's a that's a really big market out there for that, but. I just, I've always been, since I was a little kid, I've been passionate about that. And um, I don't know if it's because my dad taught me a lot about that. We took a lot of trips out west when I was a kid. And uh, I'm, I'm really going to pursue that. But I've also started doing wildlife. Like, I just finished my first buffalo, that which will be hanging up in the buffalo house. Um, and I just found that I just love doing it. It's a freer You know, you guys are used to seeing my sports stuff, which is kind of ultra details, right? Sure. Well, I'm getting older. My hands are getting crampy. My eyes are kind of going. I want to do some big canvases where I'm just throwing paint around. And this is kind of my way to do that, I hope.
0: I would yeah. like that as well, as I'm looking around our studio going, you know what, it's very, very barren here. Very great. I was going to say, we could give you quite the canvas to work on here. You could turn the fan studios into really something special. Of course, we're I kind could, of being tongue in cheek but I'm curious.
2: I, You know what? I would love, for one, there's probably a ton of stuff that I already have that could fit in your studios. I'd love to donate some artwork to you, for sure. But, I'm trying to figure out where your new studios are. Are they in the Downs on um, Superior Street level? We are, yeah, or we McDonald's. are right in
0: the Holiday Center. If you walk in the main entrance on Superior Street of the Holiday Center, if you go to the right, you're going to the Lyric. If you take a left, there's a long hallway, and Town Square Media is at yeah. the end of that hallway. Yes, I thought
2: Sasquatch was in there at one time. Yes,
0: and that is one of our stations as well. We're all, we're all in here. All yeah. the Town Square Media family is in here. Uh, okay. So speaking of locations yeah. of things... Now, Tim, I'm guilty of spending probably more time on social media than anybody else on this show, but the Heritage Uh Center Studio is known affectionately as Tim Cortez Studio West. Now, I saw on Facebook there's also a Tim Cortez Studio East. Talk about that one as well.
2: That one is my private studio at home that I've been working out of since I moved up here. And what I did is, now that the kids are out of the house, I took the whole basement and made that Tim Cortez Studio East. And I duplicated my art areas out at Studio West. The only difference is you can come up and go through the gallery out West. You know what I mean? But it's still, um, it's, I still, it's a work, both of them are working studios just a little tougher to get in my house than it is to get out <laughs> I was going to say, I
0: think maybe I could sweet talk you and Kathy where I could get a look, but maybe the general public you couldn't. You could, yeah. Yeah. So I want <laughs> to talk a little bit about goaltending as well because Tim Cortez, the artist, sure. is wonderful, but so is Tim Cortez, the, the goaltender and the goaltender pipes. coach. Yeah, the hockey artist per se in terms of literally with the game. The reason I wanted to talk to you about it this year, and I know the artistic mm-hmm. things have kept you busy, but this year there is really a surplus of great goaltending, at the prep level in this area. You look at A.J. Riles, you look at Dane Calloway, you look at Connor Doyle, Smith you look Kate at Kanan Smith, who's just in the ninth grade. Cole Kronstedt has gotten better as the year has gone on. Yeah. How much are you following the goaltenders, and, and what's made us all of a sudden have this big swelling of great performances?
2: Well, I think well, I've known, uh, known and coached a few of them, and this is a special group that's there right now. Um, you know, when I was at East... Galloway was going to be my guy, right. and this is his senior year, and that—that that was disappointing not to be able to see him through. But I still keep in contact with him and the family and stuff. And uh, I think that you know AJ too. AJ's been good for a while. He's been an up and coming. It's made for some great hockey games, hasn't it? You know, it um, the, the goalies around here are, are studs, and I think it's just because the training's got so good. It's available. It costs money, but people are investing in, in their position nowadays, and it's really showing because of low-scoring games, flashy goaltending. It's not lucky goaltending. It's it's goalies that know what they're doing, and there's a difference, if you know what I mean.
0: Right? I do because you're absolutely right that it has made for great games on the broadcast season because we've had so many 2-1, to 3-2, 1-1, 2-2. The only thing as a play-by-play guy, Dave, is – I don't get to work on my goal call very often because nobody's scoring this year.
1: Well, and we have to hear John Carlson talk so much. Right. John Carlson is a goaltender, Dad, and,
0: and this is kind yeah. of the season dream come true oh, for him. yeah, yep.
1: John. Say, uh, yeah, I, Tim, when, go ahead. when you're looking at a goaltender, and it could be pretty much any age, but I don't, I'm don't, i not focusing on the kid kids at this point. When you're looking at a mm-hmm. goaltender who's struggling a little bit, what sort of things are you sure. checking off in your mind? What are the things like, okay, you need to
2: work well, on first your head they, or I see this? If, if, if they call me in to work with the kids. Or, or not. First thing I check is his footwork. How good of a skater is he? Um, but you, people don't, and people have said this forever, he's supposed to be the best skater on the team, balance-wise and all that. It all makes sense when you start using words like that. Um, so you check his footwork and, and his positioning and how much, you know, when I look at a goalie nowadays – and I had a good one to look at at college in, in Rob Stauber. He is, his positioning was always perfect. That's why he didn't have to. He made it look so effortless, you know. And the goalies nowadays too, the NHLers, those guys, those big guys are in position all the time. They get beat. They get beat on a good shot. You got, to, you know. So basically, when you're looking at a goalie who's struggling, you look at how he's skating and where he is in the net. And then if you can get in to talk to him, see what his attitude is, because if they're moping around down there, they're not I don't care how good their positioning is. Right. They don't have the right mindset. I'm you know? really glad
0: that you close with that part of it because I was just about to ask you, you brought up footwork, you brought up positioning. There's the mantra out there that goalies are different. Even some have said, hey, goalies are flat out weird. I was gonna ask you when there's a struggle, how much of how much of it is in their head and has nothing to do with technique? Well, I can.
2: I'll I'll take myself for example. Okay, I I got pretty far in hockey. Hockey was not my favorite sport because it was such a mind game for me. My favorite sport was football because I didn't have to think about anything except smacking the guy you know across from me. So when it got into hockey season, I, it got very cerebral for me, and sometimes I was good at it, sometimes I wasn't. Um, but you have to be strong mentally to to get to any level, because you will crack if you're not. I mean, that sounds kind of ominous, but it's true. I was going to say it and might it be the brutal really, truth. Go it ahead. It can really tear you up inside. It, it really can, personality-wise. If you're not, if you're taking every goal against you, you know, heart like that, you're not going to last long.
0: You know. Uh- I think that's a good point. I want to talk about something you brought up earlier because you had Dane Calloway, Mm -hmm. of course, when he was at Duluth East and back then it was for Mike Randolph as well. Now a week ago, yesterday. I had head coach Mike Randolph against Dane Calloway, nothing involving Duluth East at all because it was St. Thomas Academy at Hermantown St. Thomas Academy gets the win. Mike just continues to climb up that win total. How much are you following that as well? Because I think there are some of us that, that still smile about what he's doing. I, I,
2: Follow it a lot, and I still talk to Rand quite a bit. Actually, the whole staff that we had there still keeps in contact. And, you know, hopefully we can plan it to be there when he does get that win. That's going to be, you know, i, I, I I'm not going to keep an open ticket, but I just, I want, I would like to be there for when he gets that for him because he's a, he's a special guy. He really is. He deserves it.
0: Absolutely is so. Talk about again, Tim Cortez Studio West because it's the perfect mix. We've talked a lot about hockey because you're an elite hockey mind to steal a take from Mr. Paul Allen, but at the same time, you're an elite art mind, and people can go to a hockey arena and take in some of your art as well. Tell everybody again if they're not familiar where to go and what they can expect to see.
2: Yeah, it's a bit of a it's it's a bit of a trick once you get into um, into the Heritage Center. But you, what you do is you go to the one and only public elevator. And if I'm there, I mean, you can go up to the mezzanine where you guys broadcast from. You can see if I'm up there. All the lights are on, open signs, neon signs, all of that. But you got to get up to that next floor, which is two, right. which is completely confusing for people who get on the elevator. <laughs> you know, if they press, two I feel like they he's speaking directly to me. Was, but
0: yes, go ahead.
2: <laughs> so when I'm there, I have that back exit open. Um up the back stairs and then also the the elevator too. So anybody it opens right the elevator opens right into my studio. So and if I'm there, everybody's welcome. Kids come on up. I'll show you a few things. That's that's why I'm there, you know?
0: Absolutely. And you, you kinda segue nicely into it. my last question yeah. because I've seen, you know, this is gaining steam on social media and I've seen friends of yours comment about, you know, you should get tours arranged, field trips. Have you thought about that sort of thing? Can Can Tim Cortez Studio West become a go to because there's probably not enough "quote unquote" art museums in town, but folks like to check that out. Well, there's a
2: lot of there's a lot of galleries in town actually, and I want to get on. There's a there's a gallery um, they do a gallery hop every summer, so I want to make sure I get on that because my gallery, quite frankly, is different than anything else in town. I mean, my my stuff wasn't very gallery friendly because it's so specific to clients that I've done work for. So to open my own, I just said, I mean, it, it was nice because I, I said, well, I'm just going to have my own stuff in here. You know? yeah. And so people can come and see, you know, I, I got sketches of how I came up with certain book covers and stuff like that. It's kind of a museum of what I've done. I mean, there's, sure, everything's for sale, but uh, Um. Yeah, it's it's just it's nice. I wanna make sure that people know that it is a neat place to go see a unique thing in this in the art world and that's sports art mostly. Yep. Um, because there's not a there's not a lot of places that just cater to that. You know what I mean?
0: I do. It's certainly and, unique. Yeah.
2: And to have it as a work in studio is just a bonus. So
0: No question. Tim, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit with a final question as we let you go. You've, You've been a coach, you've been a goalie, you've been a sports mind. You've always had words of wisdom for young athletes. What about words of wisdom for young artists? Not that that's necessarily our listening demographic, but there could be an athlete out there going, you know what? I love art. I want to do that kind of thing. What kind of advice do you have for aspiring artists out there?
2: First of all, it's amazing how many goalies I've met. Young goalies that are artists uh, that are into it. Because
0: they're detailed. And they're precision. Even a
2: guy like John Blue that I played with at the U of M, same thing. He was an artist too. And anyway, inspiring words for artists are um, don't get dejected if somebody doesn't like your stuff. Uh, work on stuff all the time, every day if you can. And use all the materials in the world you can.
0: Always use your resources. Tim, you've been a great one for us. Thanks for joining the show again. Now that you know where we're at, we're going to have you come down at some point because we're going to have you scope it out and see what you can add to it. Thank you for the time this Saturday. (laughs) I
2: can certainly help you out that way. I got to love that.
0: Say hello to your lovely wife. We appreciate you, and let's talk soon. All right. Talk later, guys. Thank you. Absolutely. That's Tim Cortez. It had been a while. Good to talk to him.
1: I love Tim. I hopefully see him around the arena. Uh, I know he's got to come. He's putting something up at Mars. Uh, over the summer, which should be fantastic. I was going to say, he's
0: got talents that are just off the charts. unbelievable. Coming up next, the guy who's very talented as well, Nick Nelson of Twins Daily. Finally, some Twins off-season moves to talk about. Stick around. We will be right back.
3: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
0: Back here on the Northland Sports page, going so smoothly here this Saturday. That's smooth. Santana featuring Rob Thomas, every song on the show today minus our open and our close that are consistent are Santana. Why, Dave Cook?
1: Well, because they signed Carlos Santana yes. today.
0: They signed another Santana. Where will he rank among the likes of Johan, Irvin, and Danny?
1: And Danny. Danny's right. the trick to that because whole they, thing. He's Carlos, the delineation line, Brian. If Carlos
0: doesn't at least go above Danny, we're all in big, big trouble. Yeah. But all of a sudden, after several weeks of not much of anything to talk about in the Twins offseason... A whole lot this week.
1: Well, yeah, There's they traded some guy for some other stuff. They signed some old first baseman, but they picked up Daniel Duarte. Yeah,
0: there you go. No burying the lead for right, Dave exactly Cook. He's a big right. Duarte guy. Forget Polanco. Forget Santana. <laughs> it's all about Duarte. That'll, that'll be the difference maker, right?
1: Well, it cost us Ryan Jensen, so yes.
0: There you go. On the same day that a football center of the same name announced his retirement, so a tough day for that name. Truly, truly. But I'll tell you what, an easy name to say and an easy name to get along with is Nick Nelson, and he's with us again. Mr. Twins Daily himself, good morning.
4: Gentlemen, how's it going? Very well, because this
0: is fun to finally have, I'm not going to call it hot stove per se, but at, le- at least the, the burner's lit, if you will.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's about time, right? It's been a, long, been a long, slow off season, and now all of a sudden we're only a couple weeks from pitchers and catchers reporting and uh, finally starting to heat up. I think we all kind of knew going in this was going to be This was going to be the cadence. It was going to be uh, an even slower, slower moving offseason than usual, but glad to see some action coming together. And uh, I don't think they're done.
0: Well, and again, why do you think that, you know, you mentioned slower this season and I'll go with that, but generally speaking, why is this type of timing, this front office's mantra? Is there a method to their madness? Because it's, it's fairly consistent that when you think it's too late to do things, this team does.
4: Yeah, I mean, we know they're so value-obsessed, right? They really want to get the maximum value in all these deals. They want to get the best, you know, contract they can with these free agents. And the fact is that waiting them out uh, increases their leverage. You know, once you get to this point in the off-season, trade partners are sort of running out of options. Uh, you're reaching the end of the line on those those discussions. You know, free agents like Carlos Santana, they didn't get the deal they want that they wanted. Um, sorry about that. Uh, you know, so... I, I think it's really a lot about leverage, and of course this offseason a lot of it has to do with the TV deal as well, which finally, finally we've right. gotten some some clarity on.
0: So you mentioned best value. I want to ask about the Jorge Polanco trade. Do you think they did that? Because you look on social media and of course social media in general, everybody's an expert on everything, but you can really see opinions that run the gamut. On the surface, getting four players for one and two of which should contribute to your roster almost immediately seems like a pretty good deal when the Desire to deal Polanco, to me, wasn't a well-kept secret necessarily. There are some that love this trade. There are some that don't. John Bonus pulled no punches about what this does in the immediate. There's a lot of ifs with everybody, but particularly with these players they got back. Where are you on, quote-unquote, grading this trade?
4: Yeah, you know, I'm kind of lukewarm on it. I definitely get where where bonus is coming from. I think his point is accurate that this is not necessarily, you know, this move on its own does not necessarily make the twins, a better team in 2024, which, which is what a lot of us want to see. I mean, the window is open right now. They're coming off that, that playoff run. Uh, this is the time. So, you know, some of these future focused trades where you're you know, getting that value down the line are not going to enthuse people. And I understand that. I think in terms of pure value, it's a good move. It makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, they were very focused on trying to get major league help back in this Polanco deal. I think they fell short of the impact that they wanted, um, but they're still able to get some guys back who can help them this year Di Sclafani, we'll see. Um, I think Tope is a pretty good reliever, a good he's addition a, to the bullpen. He's
0: probably the bigger and piece, then, isn't he?
4: Yeah, yeah, probably the more impactful piece for this year. And then, you know, these prospects are solid. I mean, they're interesting, but they're both a couple years away at least.
1: So, Nick, you mentioned the the uh, TV deal coming uh, to fruition finally, and at the beginning of the see- offseason, the Twins pointed at that and said, this is the reason we're not going to spend any money. Now that that's been cleared up, are they going to, are they, you think they'll be willing to go and, and spend a little bit of money on a player or two?
4: I do. Uh, yeah. As I mentioned, I think there's more coming. Uh, and some of that has to do with the money that they freed up in the Polanco trade, you know, that, that enabled the Santana deal, but I do get the sense, you know, nothing, nothing huge. I don't think they're going to go find Blake Snell, but I think there are going to be at least one or two more free agent moves. I wouldn't be surprised to see another trade. Um, I still see the top of the rotation as a big need. They, they sound like they want to move on a little bit, maybe from that, but uh, I really think that if they want to be a World Series contender, they need another frontline starter. So hopefully, they're not done uh, exploring that. Um, and we'll get we'll get more details on you know the specific money around this TV deal. Maybe we won't. I don't know. It's definitely less than they made last year, but should lo- loosen up the purse strings a little bit and give them a little more flexibility for some late additions here.
1: So Brian and I were talking last week, I think, and we yes. were, we were talking about the Carlos Correa deal and how that all came to fruition and how Scott Boris kind of used the Twins. As a place for Carlos to settle for a year, keep his value up, and then he went back into market, and we all know how that turned out. Is there a chance that Boros goes ahead and uses the Twins again and one of his three big-time free agents, and and all of a sudden they show up at the Twins' doorstep?
4: You know, I could see it, but the tough thing is that I just – in this, you know, the Twins love one-year deals. Yeah, I think they're of the mind that there's really no such thing as a bad one-year deal if you don't have to commit multiple seasons. I do think that this year that's a little bit of a tough play for them just because of the uncertainty about their payroll and revenue for this season specifically. You know, it's a one-year deal with Bally Sports. Uh, they don't really know what's going to follow that. So I think some of that uncertainty is going to probably prevent them from maybe like the high-dollar one-year deal like they did with Correa Although I could see that being you know, a move that, uh, that Boris would make with Snell. It seems incredible that he would have to do that coming off a Cy Young season. But um, yeah, to see those guys still sitting out there, those big names at this stage of the offseason, uh, you've got to consider the idea that, that Boris might get creative.
0: Well, and I'm being completely tongue-in-cheek when I say this, but wouldn't Blake Snell be the perfect fit? Because if Kevin Cash is known for lifting guys early, if you go by social media, Rocco does that all the time, right? Blake Snell would be perfect here.
4: Yeah, well, it would drive fans crazy there if, you uh, go. to watch some of those five five and flies because he's going to walk. He's going to walk five people. He's going to pitch through five innings, shut out, and then come out of the game. You so. were smelling uh, exactly he needs, he needs what I was bullpen.
0: stepping in. Yes, that's the comment I wanted on that. That's beautifully done. I obviously do want to talk about the Santana signing. There was a piece of irony. I thought that the TV deal and the Santana signing come within hours of each other. But I want to know this before we get into Santana himself. Is this a good sign? Pun not intended. Yet anyway. For the twins, if Santana's gonna be your DH, that means Buxton really is banking on being a center fielder. Or this is a bad sign that Carlos Santana has to play first because Kirloff won't be ready.
4: I think it probably says more about Kirloff than Buxton, honestly. I, I don't you know and, and I don't think necessarily it's that they're, you know, seeing negative signs with Kirloff or they have specific concerns that have emerged from the latest surgery or his recovery over the offseason. But I just think they're realistic. I mean, Kirilov has not been able to stay healthy at all, and frankly, he hasn't even proven himself as a uh, true standout player consistently when he's on the field. So um, I think they want some depth. I think they want a veteran and some stability that they can use between first base and DH. Um, you know, one underrated aspect probably of the Santana signing is that he rates really well defensively despite being 37, 38 years old. Uh, and the Twins were not very good defensively at first base. You know, they're, they're throwing Donovan Solano out there. Uh, They were throwing Joey Gallo out there last year, Um, you know, guys that aren't necessarily going to be standouts. Uh, So I think having like a a natural first baseman, a guy that can, you know, rotate through the DH spot, a switch hitter, a guy who's a little better against righties is just a nice fit overall for the roster, sort of regardless of the situations with Buxton and and Kirilov, but it does, it does help. Well, and why do
0: the reclamation projects offensively seem to serve this team well where the pitching ones don't? Because I don't know if it was you or who it was, but somebody brought up Shoemaker on social media this week, and I cringed repeatedly, and Chris Archer, those kinds of things, those all didn't work. But then you look at, you know, Nelson Cruz, Jim Tomey, you can go as far back as Paul Molitor and Dave Winfield if you want to. When this team brings in old bats, it seems to work. And I'm not talking old bats as in a derogatory (laughs) term for, like, the Golden Girls. I mean old offensive players. It seems to work, yet the pitching doesn't. Does this front office have a better eye for offense? And, and I guess in Twins history, all of them have?
4: I think it's more it's just like the, the valuation difference between hitters and pitchers. I mean, we see you know pretty bad pitching reclamation projects this offseason. You know, Frankie Montes, who barely pitched last year, got like $16 million. Giolito, who has been bad for the last couple of years, got like $38 million. These days, it just costs a lot to even get a decent pitching reclamation project where you can get a guy like Carlos Santana – um, you know, Michael Taylor's still out there. He's probably gonna be available for less than 10 mil. I mean, there's decent hitters that you can get for a pretty low dollar because there's a lot more supply, I think. Um, and then just in general, pitchers are so much more volatile and hard to predict. I think, you know, we see that in the draft, the twins would much rather draft a, a bat with their top pick than a, than an arm. Um, you know, they don't spend on free agent relievers. They'd rather take their shot on a bunch of different guys like we've seen this off season. So, Uh, I think it's just a philosophical thing and it just sort of aligns to the realities of pitchers versus hitters and how hard they are to predict.
0: You brought up Taylor. There was talk of Solano. What a couple of weeks ago, we talked in the first segment because it's the day after groundhog day. We made it unlike the movie in the sense that the day repeats (laughs) over and over, but is there any chance of a repeat slash reunion with anybody like Solano or Taylor while they're still out there? Or does Santana kind of put an end to that? Obviously, obviously, Santana doesn't play the outfield. I still think you need a Buxton insurance policy. Do they have that?
4: Uh, I think Santana's addition rules out Solano. He's filling a very similar role functionally to what uh, Solano did last year. Uh, someone like Michael A. Taylor, I think, is very much still on the table. I would expect them to add another outfielder, a righty-hitting outfielder, uh, You know, whether it's him, Adam Duvall. Uh, There's a few other names that have been mentioned out there. It might come down to just which one has the lowest price uh, at the end of the day with a few of these guys still sitting out there. But I know they're still interested in Taylor. They loved having him on the team last year. He'd be a nice fit. I mean, gosh, if you could run out uh, an outfield against lefties with with Taylor in left, Buxton in center, and and Kepler in right, that's going to be a nothing but raindrop situation right there and pretty decent offensively too. So um, I I would keep an eye out for another right-handed bat in the outfield, and I would expect that to happen pretty soon, maybe even this weekend.
1: So the my final question I guess is the is the pitching side again. Um you've got now with with the trade of Polanco, it looks like you have what you might consider a five man rotation with Varland as a wild card. But do you think there's move another pitching move we we've heard Michael Lorenzen and all all offseason long. Do you think there's a, there's a move like that yet in the uh, bag of tricks for the offseason?
4: I wouldn't be surprised because they love having pitching depth and I you know as I mentioned I don't think that they're especially starting pitching is where it needs to be right now. Um, you know, what really concerns me, Descofani is fine. I'm fine with adding another guy at the bottom of the rotation and, you know, pushing a guy out and having a little more depth, but I just don't think they have enough depth at the top side. You know, last year was so great about this rotation was that they were able to lose Tyler Malley to a season long injury and they barely noticed it. Uh, Cause you got Pablo, you got Sonny, you got the two, the three other guys who were solid in the middle of the rotation right now. It feels like if, if Pablo went down with an injury, God forbid, or even Ryan or Ober, it's going to open up a huge hole and just suddenly this rotation just does not look that strong, does not look well positioned for a playoff run. Yeah. You got the trade deadline, but um, I really think they need to add another starter. Um, I I would like to think they're aiming higher than someone like Michael Lorenzen, but we have heard those rumors. It wouldn't shock me if they added just another major league starter just to have more depth. Um, But yeah, I do think, I do think at least one more pitcher is, is coming aboard here before, before the season.
0: I agree with you, and I think your point is well made. How much of that do you think, though, is due to the regression last year of of Joe Ryan frankly not being able to keep the ball in the ballpark? Because Pablo is that good, in my opinion. Losing Sonny statistically obviously hurts. I think in the eye test he looked under duress more often than the numbers showed. Chris Paddock was obviously going to be a question because of the injury. Bailey Ober, the innings have been limited. But is this rotation in question mainly because of Ryan? Well, Louis Louis Varlin looking like a closer in the future.
4: Right. Yeah. Uh, Ryan is the big question mark right now. I, I have a lot of confidence in Ober. He's pitched really well. Um, you know, I, I think some people are a little skeptical of him, but I don't know why you would be at this point. He's just consistently thrown really well. And I agree. And I love the
0: guy. We go
4: ahead. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ryan is, is the question mark for me. You know, I mean, a lot of it could be attributed to the injury when he had that fall off last year, if you want to put it on that. And I'm sure that played a role, but, uh, home runs were the question with this guy. The reason the twins were able to get him for couple months of Nelson Cruz, um, you know, people weren't necessarily big believers in that fastball heavy mix. And maybe we started to, to see that get exposed. So, uh, to me, he's my biggest question mark in the rotation. And, and like you said, you know, if he drops off and is pitching like he did in the second half last year, I mean, this is a guy that the twins, he looked like an all-star in the first half and the twins didn't trust him one bit by the time the playoffs came around. He barely got to pitch at all. I think he threw the fewest pitches of any pitcher on this active, uh, postseason staff. So yeah, that, that to me is question number one here in the rotation.
0: I agree with you, and I think it's a big part of why his appearance in what turned out to be the final game was so brief as well. Hindsight twenty twenty, but that is what happened. Talking with Nick Nelson of Twins Daily, of course, I know quite a bit about Twins Daily because I feel like I go there daily, but listeners out there may not. Tell us again what it is, where they can find it, and you know what to make of the whole thing.
4: Yeah, thanks. Uh, TwinsDaily.com uh, You know, as, as the name indicates, we've got new content up daily. In fact, we've got just tons of stuff. Uh, several articles coming out every morning right now. Lots of uh, you know, coverage of breaking news. We've got our prospect countdown for 2024 going on right now. And just a lot of stuff here leading up to spring training and pitchers and catchers reporting here in about 10 days. So, uh, if you're a twins fan, uh, you're going to find every topic covered from every angle. And it's very easy to contribute to the conversation, uh, in the forums and the comments, or even creating your own blog. So if you like to talk twins, come on by.
0: Absolutely. You mentioned Pitchers and Catchers Report. I believe they report on Valentine's Day this year. So the old adage, how can you not be romantic about baseball, takes on a little different look this year. But one thing I like about Twins Daily a lot, and I know Dave, as my co-host, probably loves this more than I do, is the prospect countdown type stuff because you focus on the kids that aren't here yet. I want to ask about a couple that should or will be here soon. Where does Austin Martin and where does Brooks Lee factor into 2024 for the Twins?
4: Great question. I mean, I think they are, you know, among the prospects that are going to make a quick impact. These guys rank pretty much at the top of the list. Um, Austin Martin, uh, of course, was the prospect to sort of centerpiece that the twins got back when they traded Jose Barrios at the deadline in 2021. Um, he's had some struggles since coming aboard with injuries, you know, with a lack of power, but he really is. Uh, I think the type of player that twins fans, you know, especially like old school kind of baseball fans are really going to enjoy as a change of pace for this team, very contact heavy, very fast, uh, sort of a scrappy, hustling, base running, you know, spark plug type guy. So I'm really excited to see him join the mix and give them a little bit of a different look with all these uh, plodding power back kind of guys. Um, and functionally, uh, he can play center field. He can play second base, uh, sort of a utility profile. So I think he fits in really nicely with what this team is going to need on the bench. I would bet that he'll open in AAA just because, you know, the Twins, they don't necessarily like to put their prospects right into the, into the fire right away. They like to have right. that depth. Right. Kind of the same thing with Brooks Lee. I mean, Brooks Lee could start at second base on opening day. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be out of the question. But I think they'll give him a little time in AAA, and he'll be ready if his performance is strong early in the season and there's an opportunity, he's going to come right up because they're very high on him, and I think they think he's pretty much ready.
0: I think you're right, but here's a sports cliche that I can't stand, but it's a thing for a reason. As Common Man says, cliches are cliches for a reason. A lot of kids <laughs> the Twins are counting on. A lot of potential sophomore slumps. How much is the league going to adjust to the likes of Walner, Royce Lewis? And do they have the mental fortitude to overcome that? Is that the huge question this year? Julian as well.
4: I think I think so. Yeah, I, I wrote about that at Twins Daily a, a little while ago. Some you know When your success is driven to the extent like it was last year by a historic rookie class, I think that's always going to be a narrative. Um, we've seen a lot of players splash onto the scene with good rookie seasons and then really drop off the following year. You mentioned Danny Santana earlier. There's an example. You think of Danny. You think of Danny Valencia. You think of some of these guys who really, really came out of the gates and caught our attention, and the team sort of planned around them the following year to their own detriment. Um, I think with Walner, uh, especially as a guy who that sticks out as a concern, just because his profile is so extreme with the strikeouts and the hard swinging. But you look at guys like uh, Julian. That's a hard sort of profile to solve. He's literally the most patient disciplined hitter in the major leagues as a rookie. Uh, he's not going to swing outside of the zone as a pitcher. How do you solve that? You know I mean? You got to attack him in the zone. And he's shown the ability to, to, to destroy those pitches. So, uh, and then Royce Lewis, I mean, we had our, our twins fest uh, event for twins daily, the winter meltdown last Saturday, a week ago. And, uh, and Matt Welner and Louis Varlin were on stage as our guests. And it was just interesting to hear them talk about Royce Lewis Um, you know, they basically to paraphrase, it was like a question was asked about some aspect of his game. And they just said, don't, don't compare anyone to Royce Lewis. I mean, he's, he's a complete freak. Uh, he's the way he plays the game is like no one else they've ever seen. So that makes me Um, so giddy just to hear that. (laughs) That makes me so
0: incredibly giddy. The only downside as a twins fan would be like, yeah, they said that about Buxton too.
4: Right. Uh, yeah. Well, that is the question. The biggest question is health. Right. But I mean, I think if box, if uh, Lewis is able to stay healthy this year, God, I don't know what he's going to be able to do because. The most recent thing we saw, I was just rewatching the highlights of uh, game one of the playoffs. I mean, to come out and hit two home runs in your first playoff game for a team that has on a 20-year drought and basically lift them to victory, I mean, it's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, it was definitely storybook one hell of a season, certainly. Nick, I'm going to let you go simply because if I don't, we could do an entire two-hour show together. In fact, maybe as we get closer to opening day, we should think about that. Thank you again.
4: Sounds great. I'm always down. Thanks, guys. All right. We
0: appreciate it. That is Nick Nelson of Twins Daily because I'll tell you what, Dave Cook, you and I probably talk about the Twins Daily.
1: A hundred percent we do, Brian. And it's getting kind of exciting because we're getting there. You know, I noticed you didn't ask about Simeon woods Woods Richardson.
0: I didn't because I knew you couldn't spit it out. (laughs) But I know you can spit out Vinci Glenn. He joins us. Hype Week, Super Bowl previews next to close the show. Stick around. We'll be right back.
3: Without the ones like you
0: who work tirelessly to keep things running,
3: everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
0: But we do. That's Carlos Santana, no one to depend on. We go to maybe our most dependable guest, maybe ever, but certainly all through football season, Dave Cook. We're going to go to Vencey Glenn to close the show yet again.
1: Well, you know, the thing about a good safety, Brian, he's always there at the back to make sure that nothing goes awry. Right? I was say he's the last line of defense he's the last for this line show. Of defense and he's our guy.
0: The last line of defense is Vencey Glenn. Our great offense is our sponsors.
1: Absolutely. Let's start with the original Arola Architecture Studio. Hoops Brewing, OAR Holdings, Krause Heating and Cooling, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer. Advantage Emblem Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, the Blackwoods Group, including Tavern on the Hill, Blackwater Downtown, In Two Harbors and in Proctor and on London Road, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewarts Bike Sports and Trophies, Kohler Toyota and Kohler Hyundai, Humford Sy- Systems, and Mike Regan at Christensen Group Insurance.
0: You started with the original, the OG, Roll Architecture Studio. They bring you drawing lines each and every week. We continue to bring in Vency Glenn as part of Drawing Lines. Vency, the Super Bowl participants are set. Chiefs and Niners should be a terrific game. Your thoughts on conference championship weekend. And, of course, good morning.
5: Oh, good morning. Uh, I thought they were two great games. Uh, yeah, two great games. I was just very, very disappointed in um, the defensive tackling in the, uh, in the, the Frisco game and the Lions game. This is for the Super Bowl, and that had to been two of the worst tackling performances I've seen of any team, championship team, trying to get to the Super Bowl. And then on the other hand, in the AFC, I'm just – I don't know what happened to Lamar and yep. them. Uh, the, the, the Ravens was just – it was unbelievable. And not only that, you, the immaturity showed. And if you think about the Ravens' defense, they held Mahomes to three points for three quarters. Right. Lamar Jackson and offense was a no show. And that's sad. So if I'm looking at the Super Bowl, I'm gonna say Kansas City has the, the the edge to me. And the reason why, because their defense is the one that has gotten them in the Super Bowl the last seven to eight games. Their defense is playing phenomenal and they tackle. And and that's that's gonna be the game changer.
0: It really could be, and it's interesting because it's a team that you know revolves around in terms of coverage, Mahomes and Kelsey, but the story really has been their defense. And, Vancey I agree with you. I think that household names became verbs in conference championship weekend because Lamar Lamar in that game, he hasn't had a good playoff history, if you will, and Dan Campbell, the Riverboat Gambler, you came up with all kinds of words for me that I couldn't think of a few segments ago. I went with reckless, you said rambunctious, we came up with risky, there were so many things. That is what Dan Campbell does, but everybody's saying this is going to bite him, and it did. It's very interesting. But leave it to the defensive guy to make the defensive point.
1: Well, I have a quick question on why he thought Lamar no showed. I, I did. Has he lost a step? And as a running, we talked about running quarterbacks a couple weeks ago. As a running quarterback, when you lose a step, does that is that? What we saw with Lamar, it looked like he was getting caught from behind and times he didn't get caught from behind and maybe the offense isn't built around his ability to throw?
5: Well, I think Lamar is going through an identity change right now because uh, you saw runs where he would have kept running in the past and just yeah. got out of mouth to try yeah. to, opposed to, okay, I got my yards, let's get down, let's keep moving the chains. And, you know, I think to me, I think Jay Flowers was the one that really changed the tone of the game by his immaturity, Absolutely. the way he was acting. When they got down to the 7th, the time call takes them back to the twenty-five. They don't even score, fumbles down on the goal line. So I think there was a lot of immaturity in in that. As you know, Odell Beckham was non-existent, so they need to go find some receivers that can get open and get up the field and threaten a little more. And I, I just, just don't think they were prepared the way they needed to be. I don't think they... I'm not going to say hardball didn't motivate them the right way, but it's professional athletes. Like I say, players play and coaches coach. And they did not come to play offensively, and and that's the wrong time not to be able to play well.
0: I feel like the storylines of the conference championships were Mahomes, Lamar, Dan Campbell, what have you. Are we all overlooking Brock Purdy again? He's got a great supporting cast, but he was quietly pretty darn good in that comeback as well.
5: No, I don't. I, here's the thing. Everybody's looking for this headline next great, great story to be the Tom Brady. And it's just so much hype. And like I say, sports is entertainment now. So you look for the entertainment value instead of guys just going. He's one piece. Yeah, he's a valuable piece of the puzzle. But he's one piece of the puzzle that helps a team win a championship, just like Tom Brady was, just like. Uh, uh, Terry Bradshaw was, you can go back to Montana. It's, they're just one piece. It's a collective thing and if anybody that's ever won a Super Bowl they'll know that and you listen to I got friends that won Super Bowls and it's just the love and the passion you play for each other down in and down and out and that that's the difference. I, I don't like giving one guy he's playing he's doing his job yeah. and that's all they ever ask. Do your job and let everybody do their job and let's see what, where we come out. That's
1: so, so Vancey, we've talked over the years about players play and coaches coach, and then you get Dan Campbell. And Dan Campbell, in my opinion, put his team in a spot where players had to do more than play because the coach tried to do more than coach. What, when you have a coach who's a who likes to take chances, is there ever a time when players and or assistant coaches need to pull the reins and say, at this point, just kick the field goal so we can continue to play?
5: You, you can't do that, but I promise you some people in the front office might have some some uh, some questions about that this offseason and the way he approaches his team. Because you also can, can ruin a team like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's a former player. He wants to go all the time. That's what players want. But sometimes you have to do what's best for your players to put them in a situation to win football games. And that was his job, being up that much and dominating that much. And then within – Eight minutes of the second half is pretty much a tie ball game. That's just not coaching. And then you do things to make up for it, saying, okay, I'm going to stay true to my identity. With great players and great coaches, they don't stay true to their identity. Their identity is what it ever takes to win that ball game. And then they become a chameleon. Then next week they they gain identity again. And that's what he didn't do. He stuck to – I'm a riverboat gambler, and it cost him, and the the ship's up.
0: I'm really glad you said the part about sticking to an identity because that was part of why I think he was defensible a little bit, but he did go, you know, basically all out Madden on this, like he was playing a video game. But it's also part of why I didn't jump on the bandwagon when everybody applauded Dan Campbell because he was taking the types of risks that I simply wouldn't. And I was waiting for it to burn him. I don't know if I was cheering for it or not, but. I just kind of eye-rolled the chances every now and then, and finally in the biggest way last weekend. But again, this is what he does. So if we're going to criticize when he loses, why don't we criticize when he wins? Because it sounds like he's getting away with quote-unquote murder in a football sense.
5: Well, I don't – I don't. when they do it, you just – players make the play. You know, and they, they bail them out. You can get bailed out by players. You know, somebody making a great shot at the end of the game with three seconds left, you don't really have an offensive call a basketball for but the a guy makes a great shot, they win the game. So it's really not the coach, it's the player. So, But then there are times where coaches can make better decisions to help, help the players in the long term toward the end of the game so that give them confidence to have a chance to win. But when a player loses confidence in the middle of a game or in the third quarter, it's tough to gain that confidence and resilience back because you're in a tough environment. You're on the road, and it's tough.
0: All right, so we're talking Super Bowl with Vincy Glenn, but of course our favorite team is nowhere near that, so it's off-season mode, whether it be draft or senior bowl. Last question of the day, I'm going to be a good co-host, I'm going to hand it to Dave Cook.
1: Absolutely, Vinci, The watching the senior bowl all week, the practices and whatnot, and a cornerback from Toledo jumped off the page. He's had some pretty good numbers in college and whatever. Does the level of competition that you play in college, so in his case he has six, seven interceptions, but he's playing you know, Kent State. He's not playing Alabama. Does that, does that matter in the makeup of a player when they come in, if they didn't have the background of competition, level of competition, uh, versus somebody that did?
5: It's a different level uh, in college, especially. I, I've watched Toledo a lot in the last two years because my buddy's uh, son, who's a form, my buddy who's a former Viking, Brad Pepper, his son is a starting low no tackle for Toledo, so I watched him play personally. Watch the team over the last couple years. It's a whole nother level from playing at Toledo and going to being a quarterback in the NFL. It's just it's just night and day. You know, I went to a one AA school and coming to the pros, it's, it's night and day. It's totally different. It's more competitive. The guys are bigger, stronger, and faster, and you have to elevate your game. Is he the kind of quarterback? He's not that tall to come in and just make that kind of impact. I like him. He's a good runner. He's a good thinker. But it's, it's tough to come in and be a, a big impact. But he's a good football player. He should have a chance.
0: Vency Glenn, you are the best. I'd forgotten about Brad Culpepper, good old number 77, former D lineman, I believe, for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. This was yeah. fun. We'll, we'll talk Super Bowl, of course, the day before next Saturday. Thank you again.
5: Thanks, Vency. You got it, guys. Have a great day.
0: You Take as care. well. That's our guy, 2 5, Vincey Glenn. What a show. Yet it's done already. It flies by when you're having fun. Thank you to Dave Hoops. Thank you to Tim Cortez. Thank you to Nick Nelson. Thank you to Vinci Glenn. Thank you, Dave Cook.
1: I can get to Mars, sir. I was going to say, you got to hurry.
0: I hope NASA's ready for you if you're going to Mars (laughs) that fast. (laughs) You go to Mars Lakeview, I'll go to Duluth East. It's a busy sports weekend just about everywhere. You want a game, it's easy to find. Have a good one, Northland. We'll talk to you next Saturday.
4: Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching.
0: <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof.
4: Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify, to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. shopify.com slash listen.